Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of my property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hard hands have bread, bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hung hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hard hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring in his fingers and sandal or put a ring in his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his eldest son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. Father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because your brother of this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. 
it's a, a real pleasure to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. I note that Morris is not here, and I'm trying not to take that personally. <laughs> I was in college with Morris. And so it's really good to be back. This is my first time back in a million years, so it's good to be here. Will we pray? Let's pray. Father, as we, as we read the scriptures uh, together today, we are conscious that we are on holy ground. And we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you would say to us through particularly Luke 15 today. So that then we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Gospel is the, the name we give to the heart of our faith. Uh, the gospel is the essence of Christianity. It's what's left behind when you take Christianity and you boil it down. It's our DNA. Uh, the, the gospel describes how we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. It captures the length and the breadth that God has gone to to make this gift possible. And more than that, the gospel tells us, models for us, why and how we should live life going forward. And if the gospel is at the heart of the Christian faith, then at the heart of the gospel is our Heavenly Father who is extravagant, reckless with his love and grace. At the heart of the gospel is the Son who though rich became poor for us, who though in very nature God has set aside his divine privileges to come and to pursue us and to rescue us. At the heart of the gospel is the Holy Spirit who never gives up seeking to convince us to come home and having come home transforms us, transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. And our Gospel reading from Luke 15 is a story that arguably best describes the Gospel. However, although I imagine this passage has brought many home, just like the prodigal son, arguably the primary purpose of this passage is to speak to those like ourselves who have already embraced the good news and it comes to us with a warning. A warning that perhaps for some reason, having embraced the gospel, we may have lost sight of its profound implications. Um, I used to think that the word prodigal uh, meant wayward. Uh, I used to think it meant uh, rebellious. But, but he, and, and here is the, the youngest son, the second child, and he's pushed against the boundaries. He's, challenged the status quo and he's refused to conform and you know the story so well uh, the youngest son goes to the father and he says i want my inheritance now he's saying to the father i want your money i don't want you uh, and the culture of the day would have called for one response from the father the father would have been called to to take hold of the youngest son and to drag him out of the house and to drag him through the village and to leave him outside the community, such was the insult. 
And whenever you think about that portion of our story, you can understand how the prodigal has come to be understood as wayward and rebellious. But in fact, the, the word prodigal actually means wasteful, um, which is exactly how the youngest son responds to his newfound wealth. The, the youngest son spends his inheritance on, on wild living. That's the description that Jesus uses. Uh, but after months of self-indulgence and destructive self-centeredness, he's left with nothing. One day he goes to the hole in the wall and he puts in his, his bank card, not goes those words, insufficient funds. And he panics. That's the youngest son. But as you already know, he's not the only son in the story. Jesus is not simply telling us about the youngest son. The story, in fact, has two sons. Uh, and this is a story not just about one lost son, but in fact this is a story of two lost sons. Uh, being lost from God is, is central to this passage, to, to, to Luke 15 actually. And it, it's obvious that the youngest son is lost. It's not so obvious that the older brother, the oldest son is lost. Uh, and potentially lost in a more dangerous way, despite the fact that he's never left home. And one of the questions I think this passage wants us to ask is, how was the eldest son lost? Uh, we first meet the eldest son halfway through the story, uh, and where do we find him? We find him out in the field doing what? Working. Working probably just as he's done for years. Faithfully working. And news reaches him that his brother has returned, and he hears of the father's response. He hears of the father running to embrace his brother. He hears of the cloak and the ring and the father calf, and his response is one of fury. Fury, anger. Not at his younger brother, but at the father. It's his father's wasteful, extravagant response that makes his, his, his eldest son furious. And so he storms home. And what we see next reveals just the depth of just how lost this elder brother is. He refuses to go into the celebration. He insults his father by forcing his father to leave the celebration and to come outside. He argues with his father in public. And just like the youngest brother, the eldest has little regard for the father. He too wants the father's wealth but not the father. Yes, the eldest brother hasn't rebelled. He hasn't abandoned the father. He hasn't abandoned the family or the community. He hasn't turned his back on tradition, nor has he wasted himself on wild living, but the condition of his heart is equally as lost. Verse 29 is so critical, isn't it? But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. It's impossible not to miss the, the whole emphasis on cost. You kill the fattened calf. Note the sense of injustice. All these years I've been slaving for you. Note the emphasis on merit. Never disobeyed your and if the youngest brother, if the youngest son is a son that pictures rebellion, then the elder brother is a picture of moral conformity. Doing the right thing, not because he loved the father, 
but because he wanted something. He was earning something. And when it comes to relationship with the Heavenly Father, moral conformity is as dangerous as rebellion. How would the Father react? How would the father react to the eldest son? Well, culture would demand that he would take his son and that he would drag him out of the family home, that he would drag him through the village and he would expel the eldest from the community. But the father speaks tenderly and compassionately to the eldest son, pleading with him to come in. And the story ends with an invitation. And we're left asking the question, will the eldest son go in? Or will he remain lost? Um, a book that I read asks a very important question coming into land very soon. And the question is this, which of the two brothers do you find most appealing? So, so just ask yourself that question for a moment. Which, which of the, the two do you find most appealing? Who, who, you, who do you warm to? Who are you drawn, drawn to? And, and some of us might, uh, as we read the story, find ourselves drawn to the younger brother. Um, that may be because there's the younger brother in us. There's something of the younger son in us. We are drawn to this free adventurous spirit. We're drawn to the fact that he's a non-conformist, that he challenges convention, tradition. And he's, it's as if he's an inner hippie. And maybe some of us have that inner hippie and we find ourselves being drawn to the younger son. Uh, if that is the case, then the parable does have a warning for us. Uh, we might love the rebel, but watch out for the destruction that that rebel, that rebellion can bring. Especially against God and God's laws for life. Rebels, anti-heroes, lovable rogues, the black sheep of the family might be appealing to us, but don't be fooled. Self, their selfishness can devastate relationships, can cause such deep hurt to families and communities. Some of us here might find ourselves repelled by the younger brother. We, we find the way that he dishonors and disrespects his father unacceptable. The disrespect for family and community is thoughtless. He disrespects rules and morals, and that we find that offenses. His wild living instead of hard work, we find offensive. The younger brother sums up all that's wrong in society. But if you find that rising up with you, you take care. Because the judgmental spirit is not too far away. Some of us may find ourselves drawn to the elder brother. You respect hard work. You admire how he stays close to the family and to the, to the community. Maybe he appeals to you because within you there's something of the elder brother inside you. Hard working. You value right from wrong. You value tradition and values. You're more conservative than liberal. And if you were to employ anybody, it would be the elder brother. And if you wanted your child to turn out like anybody, it would be the elder brother. And if you had to give your daughter away in marriage to anybody, it would be the elder brother. You would want your kids to turn out like the elder brother. And if you had to pick a team, it would be the elder brother that you would want on your side. And if that's the case, again, this parable has a warning for us. Inviting us to be wary of the eldest son. And you might ask yourself the question, well, what's, what's there to be wary of when it comes to hard work or order or commitment or right from wrong? Well, 
what Jesus is warning us of here is like spiritual carbon monoxide. You, you can't see it, you can't smell it, but it's deadly and it's called moralism. And one of the most deadly forms of religion is religious moralism. Religious moralism goes something like this. By doing the right things, I earn the right to God's forgiveness and blessing. And I blind the younger brother. So which brother are you drawn to? Which brother does Jesus want you to be drawn to? Of course, the answer is neither. Jesus doesn't want you to be drawn to neither of these brothers. Because the person we are to be drawn to, the person that we are to be, aspire to be like, is who? Abba, the Father. Aspiring to be like the Father's risk-taking love both to the younger brother and to the elder brother, aspiring to have that same compassionate, grace-filled heart. The father who wants a relationship with both, who calls the younger brother away from his rebellion and the elder brother away from his moralism, both are invited to the fruitful feast. Both have a seat at the table. And you can tell, and this is the uncomfortable thing, you can tell that the gospel is shaping you if you're becoming like the Father. And I think that's the challenge of this passage. Are you becoming like the Father? Are you becoming like the Father? Full of extravagant grace. And maybe that's the prayer that we're called to pray out of this. A prayer to become like the Father. To lay down the younger brother inside us all to lay down the elder brother inside us all and to become 